Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Anna Andrew. So it's good to see everybody this morning. Is everybody okay? Yes. Good. So, is it technically today or tomorrow the end of the fast? It is today. Yeah, that's right then. Yes, so we are ending the fast today. I just thought I'd better check the technicals. Oh, okay. So we're ending the fast today with a brilliant bring and share lunch, as Holly just said. So it's going to be a great morning today. But I just wanted to start off by saying we're ending the fast today, but we're not going to go back. We're going to move forward Okay, so there may be things that you've stopped during this time. There may be things that you've done less of in this time, or you've done more of in this time, or you've met with God more. That it's not about going back to how you were before, but we're going to keep going with it. I just I want to say, live in a fasting way. Is that right to say? Do you know what I mean? So it's not about, you know always not eating and stuff like that but it's about living in that lifestyle of putting him first giving him the space giving him the place in our lives that he deserves so we're moving forward not going back amen to that and also we want to take the next step did you all get your next step things yeah, some of you are looking blankly at me. So if you, if you haven't got one of these yet, these are at the back table. Please take one. And on there, this is for you. This is about what is God saying to you at this time for the rest of this year? What's he saying your next step is for um, your relationship with others? or your relationship with God, and write it down. This is for you, but I think, you know, if you can share with somebody what God is saying to you about your next step, do it. Speak it out. Speak it to somebody that you trust. Speak it to a small group leader. Just speak it out to somebody, just to, so that you're accountable to somebody about what your next step is. There may be things on here for what's your next step with um, small groups. It may be that God is speaking to you about leading a small group or, or starting a small group. Come and speak to us. That's your next step. Tell us. Tell someone what God's put on your heart. Your next step for small group might be that you actually might start going to a small group. And I just encourage you to actually connect with people. It's really important just to, just to share life together, to be with others. So check that out. Write it down. And share with others what God is saying to you. So, we've had a great last few weeks during this fast of pressing into God, seeking God. And I think, who's had a good time in January? Who normally hates January, but it's been good because you've pressed into God that little bit more. Yeah. I love January. I love, I love the newness of it and love setting things straight and getting things planned, what's going to happen and what God's going to do. So it's a really exciting time. And the last few weeks, we've, really, we've been on a bit of a journey with faith. And um, we've been looking at faith. And remember Rohan's word a couple of weeks ago where he talked about facing that giant, 
the giants in our lives and saying, no, you are not going to taunt me. You are not go- you're not bigger than my God. And actually taking that slingshot and going, no, I'm taking you out. You know? And there's just a, such an amazing picture that in this time, interestingly, how many giants in your life have got a little bit louder? Do you know what I mean? In this time of fasting and seeking God and going, no, he, that giant's not taking me out. That problem in my life is not bigger than my God. It's got a bit louder. But that just shows the enemy taunts when he knows he's going to be brought down. So, faith. I also recommend um, checking out last week's message. If you didn't hear it, it's really practical teaching on faith. Um, we have had some technical problems with the recording, um, <clears throat> but last week it was recorded as far as I know. The week before, I don't think it was online, so I do apologize for some of our messages not being available, but hopefully we've sorted that now. So, I'm really excited about this morning. Um, I've got a word for you that um, I actually got um, a little while ago. And it was for um, my ladies' small group that I, I was doing. And, but I believe that God wanted me to bring, that this, bring this message this morning um, and just expand it a little bit. So I am going to jump, jump right in. Okay. So I'm going to be reading a bit of scripture and I've been backwards and forwards a bit, but bear with me. Some of the scriptures will be on the screen. So, let's start. Um, what I'm talking about this morning is, one second, put my timer out here, um, in Daniel. And has everybody heard the story about the blazing furnace? Yeah? So, it's quite a well-known story. Um, so basically, King Nebuchadnezzar made a idol, made an image of gold, and he created this image of gold um, for everybody to fall down and worship. It was probably in that time they wanted the one religion and wanted everybody to do the same thing. So he he wanted everybody to bow down and worship this idol. So. When the music started playing, that was the time everybody had to get down and worship this, uh, this gold thing. Um, and I'm going to read from 16 to 18. So this is from Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Where's that? Is that on the screen? Okay, so... Basically, just before this scripture, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, were in the king's palace, and there was um, an astrologer that came along, and he saw that these men weren't bowing down to worship this gold statue. So he went to the king and basically said, they're not doing it. They're not bowing down. They're not worshipping you said that if somebody doesn't bow down and worship, 
then you're going to throw them into the furnace. And so the king was then furious that these men who were in his service were not bowing down. So he basically said, right, that's it. You're going to be thrown into the furnace. And so let's read from 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So, I read this, and I was intrigued. I started asking myself the question, where did these men come from? Why? Did, where did they get the faith to be able to say that? Where did they get the faith to be able to stand there and say, we're not going to do it. We're not going to serve your, we're not going to bow down. Where did they get the faith to do this? So I carried on reading. And if we go to 22. So then um, King Nebuchadnezzar was so angry by this. This is, I'm just ablibbing this a bit. Um, that he, he called them and he basically told them to turn the fire up. So let's read from 22. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. Next one. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing fire and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and prefects. Next one. Governors and royal advisors crowded round them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the head, hair of their heads singed. Their robes weren't eat, were not scorched, and they, there was no smell of fire on them. Do the last one. Yeah, the next one. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, his sent, who sent, has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. 
Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Amen to that. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Awesome scripture. So, who are these men? Who are these men that can stand against the king and just the faith that it took to do that? So, you've got to go back. You've got to go back and see where these men came from. So, let's go to Daniel 1. This is from Daniel 1. Um, So, in this time... um, King Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and besieged the city and took the city. The interesting thing, it says, the Lord delivered the king of Judah into his hand. So that's the interesting thing, first of all, that the Lord delivered the king, the the king from Jerusalem, into his hand, the Nebuchadnezzar's hand. So it's part of God's plan, okay? Next thing that happened in this time was that um, the king Nebuchadnezzar wanted some Israelite men. He wanted to take some men who were the best looking, the, the, the men that were of no, nobility or um, um, royal heritage to be taken to be trained and put into the king's service he didn't want he didn't want anyone he wanted the best of the Israelite men so he decided to take some men and they chose some men and they took the men um, to be trained for a few years and then about three years and then it says then they will go into the king's service Um, let's go to Daniel 1 Six to seven, please. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, don't, don't judge me on my reading, please. Hananiah, Mishael, yeah, and Azariah, 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 okay, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar. Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, I have practiced these names, you wouldn't think it, Uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So there we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not their names. Okay. If I'm the only one, like, realizing this, then please forgive me. So... So first of all, we realize that's not who they were. So I wanted to find out what, who these men were, what their identity was. We know they were Islamic men. We know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo was not their original name. So let's look at their names. So Daniel means, in Hebrew, God is my judge. And Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. And Mishael means who is like God. And Azria 
is Yahweh is my helper. So these men knew who they were. They knew who their God was because every time their name was spoken, it was said, God is my helper. God is gracious. Who can judge me? Who is like God? They knew their identity was in God. They knew who they were. These men were taken from a place where everybody, they were, they were Israelites. They were God's chosen people. They were born knowing that they were God's people. They were taken and put into a place where they worshipped idols, where they were given different names. They were given names that weren't their identity, but they stood fast on who they were. Just a side note, there are people here today that you've forgotten your identity. We'll come back to that. <laughs> so Daniel and the men, even though they were placed in this place, that they were meant to have the king's best food from the king's table. That was like a place of, it was pro probably quite honoured to be able to have that. But Dave, Daniel and the men resolved not to defile themselves with royal food because the royal food would have been um, offered to pagan gods before it going on the table. So they knew that they, they didn't want to defile themselves by taking this food. So they decided to, to not do this. Um, go to the next slide, Daniel 1, uh, 11 to 20, please. The, uh, the chief was actually a little bit scared because he said, well, if you're not eating my food that I'm giving you, you're going to look really ill and then I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to lose my head. So this is basically what Daniel said to them. Daniel then said to the God whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Ezra. I can't say these names. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to do this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine uh, and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring next one, them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azria. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the other magicians and enchanters in the ho his whole kingdom. 
for those of you, some of you might have been doing the Daniel fast. This is where the Daniel fast comes from. It's basically just vegetables and water for, for however long God says. But this is what, you know, God sometimes requires of, you know, wants to do in us to help us. Um, so, yeah, so we see here that they didn't want to defile themselves and God sustained them. God proved that they didn't need to eat all this food and have all these best things, but God wanted to show them that he would sustain them and take them through. God was proved himself faithful, but he did even better than just sustaining them. He did even better than that. God poured out, God did a deeper work in those years, giving them knowledge and understanding that was far beyond anybody else around them. Um, I had, um, who was here a few weeks ago when Ruth, is Ruth here today? I can't remember. Oh, no. Ruth, Ruth spoke in church a few weeks ago. Excuse me, my nose is running. Um, yeah, Ruth spoke in church a few weeks ago, and it was so good to hear her speak. Um, but around the time that I was, God was speaking to me about all of this, I, I just happened to see Ruth, and I had a conversation with Ruth. And, um, and Ruth sadly lost her daughter uh, last year, um, just, just really quickly. And as I was talking to Ruth... She said something really key, and she just spoke about this as well when she spoke in the church. Um, she said, years of reading scripture and studying the word has paid off. And she said, this is key, listen to this. The word is life, and it has sustained me. And I don't think we really know the power of this book. This book has so much power that it is life. And I was looking at um, the scriptures in John, and it talks about um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Meaning that Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. He was there in the beginning, at the beginning of creation. He was there. He is the Word. And then later on in 14, I think we've got a slide for this one, it says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So, Jesus came to give us life and life in all of its fullness. And there are people here today that God wants you to know there is more. There is more. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know that Jesus came just for you. He came into the world as man. He was there in the beginning of creation. He was, he's there in the word. He became flesh to dwell amongst us. And he came full of grace and truth. Grace to 
enable us to connect with God. Grace, he died on the cross so that we could have that relationship with God. He died on the cross for things that I've done wrong, things that you've done wrong. He came for us personally so that we can have a relationship with God the Father. And there are people here today that need to know that God wants that personal relationship with you. It is possible. It doesn't matter what you've done or the mistakes that you've made or what you're doing. It doesn't matter. He came full of grace and truth. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. It is fact. It is true. It is scriptural. As we've said, it is in the word. That means it is true and living and real and active and real here today. This book was written so long ago, but it is real. Like Ruth said, the scriptures that she studied, the scriptures that she read sustained her. It became life. It became real. It became power. It became everything she needed for in the most desperate time, the darkest of time. That became her substance to live. Have you ever had a time where, I mean, Rohan spoke about it last week, that rhema word, which means that God-breathed word that you need for an answer. You need to press into God. You need that answer for something. And God speaks and something jumps out. That's God's word. That's God's word. It's living. It's active. It's real. So, let's come back to what we're talking about. Um, this, what God's spoken to me about, um, um, these scriptures came from, um, my little boy, actually. This is what started it all off. Sandra, do you remember you were around at my house for lunch and, um, we said to the kids, oh, what did you do in Sunday, in your groups on Sunday? And, um, we were talking to the kids and, I love this game with my children where they say random words and I have to try and guess, piece together what they were talking about. Somebody called a Bendy, somebody called Mish, um, what? Okay, and you just got to try and figure out what they've been talking about. So we eventually figured out what they were talking about and Levi said... They got saved out of the fire, and the fire didn't touch them, and they didn't even smell a smoke. And I was like, what? Excuse me, what? They got saved out of the fire. They didn't even smell a smoke. What? Are you sure that's in the scripture? And then Sandra said something really profound, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Sorry, Sandra. Can you remember? She did. She really did. That's what started this whole word. It was something like, correct me if I'm wrong, Sandra. God didn't just save them. They came out without any after effects at all. And do you know what? I was just like, my head just blew. My head just blew. Because I was like... All these years I've been looking at this story like, oh, well, yeah, they came out of the fire. That's amazing. They didn't get burned up. Even the soldiers chucking them in died. Did you get that bit? They, 
he turned up that hot that, I mean, he probably didn't turn a knob, but <laughs> put more logs in, um, that they, they, they died. But these men didn't die. They didn't even get a burnt bit of hair. So when Sandra came out of this profound thing, I was more thinking, flip. Wow, I only have to stand by the oven and my hair smells of fish fingers. <laughs> I do cook other things. Chicken nuggets. But do you know what I mean, ladies? You go to a barbecue, that's it. You've got to wash your hair. Because you stink. You go to a bonfire, everything, gloves, scarf, hat, coat, everything has to get washed because of the smell of smoke. It just sticks to everything. Do you know what I mean? And if you've got to wash your hair, you, you remember, you remember smoke. You go anywhere near a fire, that's it. Go near the oven, you stink. So I was like, okay, God, what? this is bigger than what we think this is. This is much bigger. God, what are you saying in this? This is, this is bigger than just a miracle, okay, people? I may be late to the party right now because you all might be thinking, Anna, yes, we know, we saw this years ago. But I'm telling you, there's something in this. So the next day, I kid you not, I was watching drama on TV, and This Is Us. Anybody seen This Is Us? No, that was just me then. It's really good. Um, and basically, these people, these characters in this drama, are all living with issues. Adults, um, and it goes, it flicks from when they were children to when they're adults and when they're old, and it keeps flicking. And so, um, all these adults are living with things. Living with things. One, one of them, one, brothers and sisters, one's got addictions and just up and down, but really successful, but got addictions, hidden stuff. One's had a breakdown, really successful in finance, but had a breakdown and got mental health problems and just dealing with depression and things like that. Another one has got eating disorders and just loads of issues. And, uh, and it was all coming back to the point of, where everything came from, where all these issues came from, okay? And you knew there was something big that happened. Anyway, there was a fire. And there was a fire. And the family were in there. And the dad managed to get all his family out of the fire. And you're thinking, oh, wow, everybody's safe. It's really dramatic. He gets them all out and everyone's in tears. Like, oh, thank you, blah, blah, blah. You saved my life. Crying, and then all of a sudden, and the house is burning down. All of a sudden, you hear, woof, woof. Oh my gosh, the dog's inside. No, <laughs> the dog is inside. And the dad looks at his daughter, and his daughter's like, My puppy. And he's like, For the love for his daughter, he goes back in, and you're like, No, please don't die for a puppy. No, please don't do this. Please don't do this. I'm willing, my, I'm willing him not to go into this fire. Anyway, he goes in. He comes out with a puppy, and you're like, Oh my gosh, thank goodness. But you know, he still dies, and you're thinking, What is going on here? Anyway, so he's all like, Oh, everybody's safe. They're all out of the fire. Oh, it's all good. Okay, calm down now. They go to the hospital just to get checked out and everything's fine. And his wife just, oh, what a relief. Everybody's okay. I'll go and get something to eat. She goes off to get something to eat. And the dad has a cardiac arrest and dies. 
very sad, very, very sad. And they all can't believe it because he was fine. And they said that it was to do with the smoke damage. The after effects of the smoke damage. So this was the next day after talking to Sandra with her profound statement, which I can't remember. And I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. And then this question came to my head. Have we survived a fire, but are we slowly killing ourselves with the smoke? Question. So it got me thinking. Sometimes we can survive something and go, wow, miracle, great. But then we can allow these after effects to plague us, to slowly destroy us. That's why this is key for today. Because coming to the end of the fast, there may have been things that God has shown you that he's saying, that's it. Enough. This needs to stop. So, I've not always been married to Rohan. <laughs> um, I, I had um, a relationship. Some of you know, some of you don't. I had, um, I'm not crying. My nose. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> don't need ministry. Um, so, I survived quite an abusive relationship. And God got me out. It's quite dramatic. It was probably better than a Coronation Street um, episode, the way I got out of my relationship. I had my clients at the time in the salon, and they used to be like, oh, what's happened next? It was better than Corrie. And I would tell them the, next, the latest edition of me escaping this relationship. Anyway, God got me out in a miracle, and it was, it was amazing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the weight lifted. I was out. I was free. Um, and then I came back to God because I'd kind of gone away from God for a number of years. And then I realized, much later on, years later, that I had smoke damage. I'd survived the fire, but I was living with the effects of that fire, and I smelt smoke. So I had to forgive. I had to forgive him. But I also had to ask God to remove fear and, and insecurity that I'd lived with for years. That I'd just got so used to living with this fear, living with this anxiety, living with stuff like that, that I just got used to it. I didn't even know it was there until God started showing me that I needed to be free. And he had to come and heal I also had nightmares as well. I used to have nightmares that I was back in that same relationship, back in, the, in that situation. I used to have these nightmares, and God had to come and do a work in that, and that was part of this process of being free. But today, there's two things. Some of you here have already done freedom, and that's a great tool for God showing you these areas that of are holding you back, that you're not fully free in. And some of you have done freedom, you're thinking, Anna, I'm fine, I've sorted all those things out, and I'm saying, great, that's awesome. But there's some people here today 
that God wants to give you, number one, faith. That, that he will sustain you. He will sustain you through that fire. He will, you might feel like you're in that fire right now. And there's somebody here today that needs to hear. He is in there right now with you. He is with you right now. He is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is in there with you. He will sustain you. Like those, those men, he proved that he could sustain them. Over time, over those years, he proved that he, could, will, he sustained them. And he sustained them, through that, sustained them through that fire. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to become flesh for you. He wants to become real for you. Everything that we go through, everything that we go through is an opportunity to get closer to him, to build faith and for God to work all things for our good. Just say that to me, work all things for our good. Amen. He doesn't want us to live with any after effects. He doesn't want us to, to slowly kill ourselves with unforgiveness. Because it will. You know, the best thing, I mean, freedom, in freedom it talks about unforgiveness. That unforgiveness, you think that you're, you don't want to release them. You don't want to release them off the hook because they've done something so bad to you, so wrong, that you don't, you, you don't want to release them because they need to pay for what they've done. But actually, the truth is, you're the one on the hook. You're the one being held and stuck and captive because of that unforgiveness. And God wants you to just be free. Just be free. God wants to remove some smoke damage today. This might be an emotional healing. This might be um, insecurity. Insecurity is a killer. Insecurity can affect every single area of your life if you let it. God wants you to come and heal those areas. Anger. Anger can ruin a man or woman's life. When it takes hold, it is poison in the body and will destroy. God wants you to have life and life in all of its fullness. Hurt and bitterness. God's love wants to transform lives. He's not wanting to sit and see you hurt, sit and see you live with bitterness. He wants to come, and it's his love. It's his love. Fear. People live with fear like I was living with fear. It's so normal. It's so part of your life, but God wants to come and set you free from fears.
perfect love casts out all fear. We're going we're gonna to worship God, but um, we're going to pray. But during this time of responding, um, responding to what God wants to do, we're going to worship, but also I'm going to pray. And we're going to have a time of communion. And communion today is to seal what God has done. But also it's a time to reflect and to thank God for what he has done, that he has given his son so that we can have that relationship with God, that we can come and be close to God. And we're going to take communion. And the communion is for anybody who's made that commitment, who's asked Jesus to come into your life. So don't feel under pressure to take communion. You don't have to take it if you've not at that stage yet. But there are some people here today that you have made that statement. You have done that. You have made that commitment to Jesus, but you've forgotten your identity. You've made that. You've made that. You took that stand and said, no, I believe that Jesus is the Lord, that he gave his life for me. And you gave your life, but you've forgotten who you are. Just on a side note, um, in the many years that I walked away from the Lord, trying to find fun and excitement, (laughs) um, where I got into lots of mess. Um, When I came back to God, I was like, God, I never want to go away from your presence. I knew that he had never left me. I knew he was always there. Even though I was walking in the opposite direction, I'd gone my own sweet way, I knew he was there. And in a matter of a click of the finger, I could be right back in his arms because he's like that prodigal father with his arms wide open. And um, when I got to that place again, okay, God, all I need is you. I came back. But there was a thing in me that I just never wanted to be away again. And um, some people wear um, bands, WWJD and stuff like that. And I wanted a permanent reminder of who I was. Now, I'm not saying all of you go out and get tattoos. Just put it out there. I'm not saying that. Please take note. I'm not saying go and get a tattoo. But I went and got a tattoo. And it says here, child of God, upside down, like child of God. Um, Because I needed to remember who I was. I'm a child of God. If you've made that commitment to the Lord, you are a child of God. Remember who you are. Stand up and say who you are. Take that place. The names of those men, God is my judge. Yahweh is gracious. Who is like God? Yahweh is my helper. Remember your identity in him.
So for those of you who may have forgotten your identity, I want this communion to be to re- reseal that commitment to go, Jesus, I recognize that you are Lord of my life. That I'm taking this today to say sorry that I've walked away. Sorry that I've not fully, I've fully put you in that rightful place. But today I choose to follow only you. So we're going to take communion as well after I pray. So I'm going to pray first if you'd like to stand. And then we'll take communion. Father, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for your your presence here today. Father, I thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you want a personal relationship with us today. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you are with us in whatever we're going through, that you will sustain us, that you will keep us, that you are living and active in our lives, Lord God. Father, Father, and today we just want to, Father, show us if there's any areas in our life where we're, we're dealing with this smoke damage, that you've saved us from something, but we've, we've been left with the after effects. Father, it says in your word that those men didn't have a trace of smoke on them. They were free from the after effects. So, Father, we thank you that we can be free from every after effect of anything that we've gone through. Whether it's relationships gone wrong, whether it's hurt, whether it's parents have been done wrong things and have affected us. Father, we can be free not to live with the hurt and the unforgiveness and the pain. So, Father, right now, for people, Father, you just, you just come with your presence, with your love, with the Holy Spirit. Father, just fill everybody up right now. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Remove insecurities, hurts and bitterness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Unforgiveness. They don't belong to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, we just, 
We praise you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you just, you come and you heal. You come and you set us free. Father, you have made the way. And if you don't know Jesus today, and you want to know more about this Jesus who we're talking about that can set you free, that can heal you, come and speak to us. We would love to tell you more about about what Jesus can do for you. But as a whole, I just feel we just need to reaffirm who we are. So I just want, just repeat after me. I am a child of God. I am free. God has called me. He has chosen me. He has a purpose for me. He has a plan for me. He wants to prosper me and not harm me. He is a good, good father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 